1: Once again, for another episode, baseball is back. It's official. I have spring training on my screen right now, looking at the Twins versus the Red Sox first spring training game of the season. Uh, Some general housekeeping. I want to thank everyone who's listened to any and all of our episodes in the new season. I really appreciate it. Please leave your likes, your reviews, your ratings, if at all possible. Reach out to me on Twitter, email me if you want to give feedback or if you want to keep the conversation going about a particular episode. Um, with that being said, I do want to apologize for my audio in last week's episode. I know it was suboptimal to say the least, uh, but hopefully that was a one-off issue. I think I, I figured out what was going on there, and hopefully we won't have those issues anymore. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to today's episode. We are joined by Pitcher List Dynasty Team writer Nate Handy to talk about his prospect pitcher list and review series. Nate, how's it going?
2: Hey, not too bad. Uh, just surviving some elements here. Got a lot of snow, so I spent a lot of my day removing that. Uh, but thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to having... Uh, I, ne- I needed a little picture conversation in my life, so thanks.
1: Absolutely. Uh, definitely happy to have you on. I know you and I have been talking off mic about when we're going to get you on, just a matter of making sure the schedules align. So glad to have you on, especially right before we jump into the new season. Um, please keep all the snow up your way. Uh it's been actually nice where I am in the south. <laughs> so we want to keep it that way. But as we always do on the show, I, I wanna turn it over to you first and foremost so that you can explain what we're talking about with-, with your picture list and review series, what motivated you to write this series of articles, and then I have some follow ups as well. But kind of explain to the audience, if they haven't read this series yet, what the series is and kind of what-, what got you started on writing it.
2: Yeah. So What I did was really watch a lot of innings, Um, probably started, you know, beginning of the minor league season last year. I just, I really wanted to get into some things that are harder to evaluate the numbers. So it just required a, a very laborious watching really. And for, you know, during the season, but also afterwards for months and months, I just constantly had a game on and then, I don't know, I maybe watched thoroughly or as 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 thoroughly as i could maybe roughly 200 pitchers and then kind of narrowed it down to what we call the top 100 it really well it was 108 players uh included there and it's not really a top 100 like it was a top 100 of guys that i watched in depthly and that a little bit of cheating there maybe um but why i wanted to to do this is kind of several components to it but one Part of it was Joey Estes, really, the prospect for now the A's. I did a piece early in the season where I, I binge watched, like, I don't know, his first six or seven starts of the season. You know, we're always trying to learn, and there's always so much to learn, endless amounts to learn, especially with pitching stuff. Um, and I really just kind of fell in love with with him as a pitcher, but more so just watching a young pitcher Binge watching like that and seeing progression and things that he was doing from start to start and how that was kind of going and and it really kind of got me hooked on lining up six or seven starts of a guy in a row and just plowing through them. So that played into it, and then more so, <laughs> I had two dynasty leagues uh, in which I very much want to win, and you know, forever like you know, it's a very popular f- philosophy to maybe not invest too much in prospect pitchers. And I very much, you know, subscribed to that for a long time. I did to spend a lot of first year player draft capital on them. I trade for them, get the cheap guys. Um, and maybe I just wasn't very good at it. I think I was for a while, but it just didn't have the sort of sustainability that I wanted. Uh, I just, I fell short in pitching in both those leagues and I just thought I could do better. Um, pair that with, I don't know, some newfound thinking that I have about pitching and how to evaluate guys or value guys. I wanted to watch more and get into the things like pitch execution, development of a guy, stuff that you can't really get off of a stat sheet so well. And then, you know, this, this was after the fact, but I I read a book called, uh, the history of baseball in 10 pitches by, uh, Tyler Kepner, and it really kind of reinforced a lot of beliefs or things that I was thinking about. You know, we—if you think about what a successful pitcher, major league pitcher might be, to generically speak about it, there's kind of two ends of the spectrum, right? You got one guy, one end are, are pitchers that are just just blessed with ungodly stuff, don't necessarily have to be that precise with it, gets guys out. On the other end of the spectrum. You have guys that just put the ball where they want to at an extremely high rate, and if you get the combination of both, then you get like you know the Degroms and the the Holy Grails. And I I kind of feel like, felt like, if you read like a you know a a scouting report or you ask anybody about a pitcher, usually the first thing that comes out of their mouth or is written is a pitch and a number, right? fastball with a grade or a fastball with a velocity and i really wanted to get into the to the more gray stuff the hairier stuff and i know it's it's hard to write about it's hard to speak about there aren't there aren't ways to quantify some things um, but i wanted to get into the crafter side you know is this guy a pitcher is he learning his art form or is it a guy you know which is tons of good stuff but working on that on that other part of the spectrum so i was kind of kind of where i was coming from
1: okay so with that being said you know i know in the in the introduction that you have to the series you talk about 10 stat right i made a joke in my home league about uh changing that to uh apple Rupo. all pitching prospects all relievers until proven otherwise (laughs) right but it's the same idea right like you said the thought process of hey it's always nice to see these young arms throwing you know triple digits or throwing something nasty but between injuries, between how difficult it is, between the non-linear movement, don't waste your time. Look at investing in hitters. And then as those guys actually mature, then you can go, you might have to pay a little bit more, but then in dynasty, you can go and pick those guys up. So I found it really interesting that you were kind of, you were kind of zigging where a lot of people was acting. You're kind of like, well, hold on, let's drill down. And there, there might be something where we can actually try to identify some guys early Sure, and, I like the fact that I want to get into your rules that you have. I like the fact that you called out. It's not so much trying to predict the future, it's looking at the present. I'm, I'm paraphrasing exactly how you put it, but it's looking at the present and trying to figure out kind of how that fits into a possible future. So uh, that's what kind of motivated me to, to dig into your series, to have you on. And speaking of those rules, for, for people that haven't, again, got the chance to read the series, definitely go do so. But you have 11 rules that you established for kind of evaluation what right um why did you come up with those rules why did you want to share those rules with the reader in the series kind of talk to me about that as well
2: yeah um just to back up on something you said for briefly uh you know i think i think my hypothesis anyways is that i think we at, at least for me but i think as a whole too i think we can just be better at evaluating pitchers for dynasty purposes. Like if you, if you go back and we, and we say, I say that a year after Mackenzie Gore, who was, you know, consensus number one guy um, I mean, basically flapped Right. So that's going to put even more people off to the idea of investing more. But like you said too, zig, zig while you zag, I think in all size leagues, all formats, I'm at a point where I feel more comfortable now being more aggressive because I think the opportunity is there. You know, if you're going to trade for pitching, somebody's got to have the pitching too, right? If eight of your 12 guys in the league all have the same philosophy, well, someone's going to benefit, right? Um, but if you, like, if you look at Gore, and this isn't – I want to be careful here. I, this isn't like a victory lap thing because I was partially – I said something that was wise and something that wasn't at the same time. But about a year ago on this show uh, with Kyle, he asked me about Gore. And I said, you know, I'd trade him right now for Johan Aviato and whatever else you get and call it a win. And part of that is because you saw a guy, I saw a guy who was not consistently executing pitches. And I could see, you know, he has he had all the great stuff. And you could see glimpses, starts. He put up some numbers too. And I could see why someone would watch him in one start and say, oh, yeah. But from start to start, for whatever reason, uh, that wasn't there. So that was, so I kind of, I want to just even the fields for my own evaluation. I feel like it was just like too heavy on the, on the toolbox, if you will, and not heavy enough on the crafter, if that makes sense. So anyways, um, the rules. Yeah. You know, so I'm just trying to go about things differently than I have in the past. So one, I wanted to just put the rules out there for myself to just kind of act as a rudder. There's some stuff in there that I think has served me well in the past. I think there's some rules that will steer me clear of some mistakes that I made in the past or made too often. And, you know, I wanted to share those with the reader. You know, you put a list out with a bunch of numbers next to names. And um, I think you just lose, if you don't have any context to it, um, it, I think it can be really tough for the reader. You, You know, the more and more that I do this sort of thing, The more that I'm sort of identifying, if you will, a a type or something that I'm looking for in players and not so much valuing the guys that don't show that. And one of the rules is, you know, don't be afraid to miss. I just don't want to miss on my type of guy. Um, So, you know, if you have if you're evaluating and looking for guys who, you know, have dot, dot, dot traits and I'm looking for different traits, our list should look vastly different, in my opinion. So I, I just wanted to give that context and you know, let the reader know why if we get to a, a certain destination, that's kind of how we got there.
1: No, I, I love it. I, and again, this is a conversation that you and I have had off mic. Um, I think once I joined Pitcherless, where we were just talking about having transparency with fantasy baseball writers, being able to kind of talk through what the process is, what the logic is. And hey, you know, again, I had somebody today hit me up about that daggone top 500 that I made, and I had to tell him, like, hey, you know what? Just throw out the numbers, disregard that. I learned from my mistakes. We'll see how <laughs> it looks next year. But we can at least talk through, I think he was asking me about uh, Caleb Killian. And it's like, hey, you know, to forget what number I put next to the name, but this is why you need to know this guy, right? Here's some stuff that he did. This is why he's significant. So I, I think um, that's a big point of agreement that you and I have is having yeah. that transparency, especially when you're doing these sort of deep dives Rankings, etc.
2: Yeah, rankings are. I mean, it's they're <laughs> they're very difficult. It's you're trying to quantify things that are that are unquantifiable, and there there should, in my opinion, there should be way more opinion. Not everyone should have had Gore number one last year, right? Um, to me, the the sea of prospects. The, the sea of baseball is is infinite and no one can see it all. Uh, I very much try to have dialogue with readers. Like I do some pieces when guys throw some names at me and I, I'll go watch them and then share my thoughts or whatever. But that's We're going to learn more when we split up and get our eyes on everything than, than one person telling you what the value is, in my opinion. Right.
1: Um, I'm not going to go through all the rules because, again, you guys uh, should go and read the the article, the intro article that has the rules and then the rest of the series yourself. We're going to have that in the show notes, as usual, uh, a link to the intro article. And then within that article, I know you have links to each sort of set of rankings that you have. So definitely you guys will be able to go and read it. But I did want to talk about a couple of rules. Um, so one that I want to bring up right now. Talk to me about rule number nine and rule number 9 was don't seek out relief pitchers but don't ignore them either.
2: Yeah. Um so I think in, in all all prospecting, one thing, you know, we're we're always trying to find the guy who the good bargain, good deal, the guy who's going to pop up, get him before everybody else does, right? That's the name of the game. And uh I think the initial reputation or the initial label that gets put on prospects can often lead for that sort of buying opportunity, I think, whether it be a pitcher that's labeled as a reliever out the gates or a hitter that's labeled as defense first. Uh, I don't always want to just write those guys off. But even more so with pitching today, man, that that line between – what a starter is, what a starter looks like, what a starter does, and what a reliever looks like and what a reliever does is, is getting more and more blurred. Uh, in my opinion, there's plenty of guys who are college relievers Shoot, look at the Astros system. They got a ton of those guys who could potentially be major league starters. Now look at Ryan Nelson. So I want to be careful. I used to just, Hey, read a list, see oh that guy's a reliever. Nah, No, thanks, but I don't want to do that anymore. But at the same time, too, I'm trying to make a a starting pitcher list. I'm trying to look for guys who can have, it might be a fool's errand, but show some signs and some traits that I believe will lead to a long, sustained major league career. Now, what the quality of some of those innings might look like, obviously, is very debatable. I mean, a lot of pitchers don't really reach their peak until they're, what, late 20s, 30 years old. But trying to find those guys that can stick around long enough, um, reinvent themselves, if you will, stuff like that. So, I, and, and I'm not doing relief pitcher stuff. I will need relief pitchers in my leagues. I like to invest in a few young ones. So if one pops up, and you know, I just that's just a bonus.
1: So with that being said, we're going to take a brief break, and then we're coming back with me and Nate Handy talking about his prospect pitching. All right, and we're back. So we're talking to pitcher list own Nate Handy about his top 100 prospect pitcher rankings. Uh, so I wanted to go through these rankings with you. So normally when we have somebody on to kind of talk through the pieces, uh, we go kind of bit by bit. Again, it's, it's 108 guys total. We're not going to go through each and every one. And you did a really thorough job of breaking them down anyway in your piece. So it's not just names with numbers next to them, guys. Like, he, <laughs> Nate did a really excellent job with, some video, some gifts included, so you can see what these pictures look like. So it's very comprehensive. What I did want to do is talk to you about some select pictures that you included and just talk to you about you know maybe some guys that you might be targeting in trades, uh, waiver ads, some players that you might be looking to avoid, even though you have them on the ranking. Maybe they're not, like you said, they're not kind of fitting your guy, your criteria, the pictures that you're looking for, and some guys that you might foresee rising over the course of the upcoming season. And we're going to go in order, so we're going to start from kind of lowest number and work our way up to the highest number. The first guy I wanted to highlight was number 96 on your list. That's Tobias Myers of the Cleveland Guardians. In your write-up, you point out that Myers uh, kind of walks a fine line to get his results. What do you think Myers needs to show you with his new club? So obviously he, he just joined the Guardians um, kind of middle late to last year coming from the Tampa Bay Rays organization what does Myers need to show you with that new club to increase his margin for error? So he's not kind of walking that, that tight rope so much.
2: Yeah. um, So he was a guy who, you know, he definitely got some attention this year, rightfully so. Um, I would say also too, like on the uh, pitch analysis side of things, I believe he is a guy who has a fastball with the inverted vertical break that people are looking for. So that's the fastball that he can play up in the zone that will miss bats high. And that's, you know, it's very much in vogue these days. And he has that most, most definitely. Um, but I don't know when he didn't locate it. Well, it guy hit very hard and he wasn't the greatest at locating it all the time. His secondaries, I think are, I don't know. That's super exciting. That's super well-controlled and super utilized. I mean, And don't get me wrong. There's moments for sure. And he put up some numbers, but I, I also found it quite interesting that the race as they usually do have a 40 man roster crunch, especially with pitchers and they decided to go with a guy, Tommy Romero over, over him. And I thought that kind of spoke some volumes because he Romero is even, a, he's more of an enigma to me. I don't really know what to do with him in terms of dynasty evaluation, where to put him, what his career might look like. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's got, what, a 90-91-mile-per-hour 90, fastball, and it might have been the most effective pitch in all of minor league baseball, but he doesn't really spot it that well and doesn't really have much else. So I guess I would just say from what I want to see from Myers, um, I know it's going to be generic and lame, but it just better, better pitch execution. Using that weapon more efficiently, not putting it over the plate, you know, and that's, that's essentially probably the name of the game for pretty much everybody. But, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to, uh, uh, Jeff Ponce has a new, um, podcast out called the 90th percentile. I'm super addicted. It's been fantastic. Um, one of the episodes he had, I forget his name. I'm sorry, but someone from driveline and he was talking about how, you know, What coaches want, what they want to see, uh, would love to have and be able to quantify is like, how do we better coach command? There aren't really super great ways to do it. And he was speaking about how, you know, he's never really seen a guy with 30 grade command go to 50 or 60. They can make improvements, but it almost feels like guys got it or they don't sort of thing. So I don't know. I don't know if he's a guy who has that. And that's not really what I'm seeking out or looking for um, when I'm valuing guys for my dynasty teams.
1: So I, I'll tell the truth like I always try to do. I, and be honest, I have Myers um, and I sought him out and yeah. I added him uh, on my dynasty yeah. team. So obviously I'm kind of more invested than, than normal.
2: No, I don't want to make it sound like, I don't think like if you're a fan of him or you're invested in with him, like you have good reason to. I don't, I don't dispute that whatsoever. So
1: what I wanted to bring up though is, you know, I've kind of talked, Here on the show and then elsewhere about kind of lower profile pitchers that are on the the clevelands the tampas the houston's like you talked about the milwaukee's of the league that kind of benefit from or had the potential to benefit from those franchises uh developmental track record so do you see and i know this kind of leads into one of your rules and i want to really delve into that with a later pitcher but do you see him benefiting from having the combo of being in the tampa bay system And now being in that Cleveland system, does that kind of boost some of that potential value or potential talent that he could get to in this particular upcoming season? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I I very much admire what the Indians do with some pitchers, that's for sure, Um, particularly working on a guy's fastball. A guy that I happen to like from this last year's draft, Aaron Aaron Davenport, Uh, I think they did a lot with him in, in just a few months with his fastball. And, you know, so I don't think there's a lack of resource for him to get better there, I guess, is my ultimate point. Um, but again, like I said, if I just the, to me, the biggest wart was more of a execution thing. And I don't know what what they'll do with him there. Definitely not outside the realm of possibility. Oh, my apologies. My apologies. Guardians. Yeah. Sorry. I, sorry. <laughs> I've been, been a am a lifelong White Sox fan. That's a hard one to to adjust to. I'm sorry.
1: The, the folks are going to get at you at home because you're saying Indians instead of guardians. That's okay. That's okay. I had to, I had to tell myself in the first episode that I had to get used to saying guardians. It's all good. True. Sure. Yeah. It's a hard adjustment yeah so no I, I i like the assessment of myers and um again like i said i'm invested because i went out and got him but i like seeing the other side right and i think it's important especially talking to the audience like you go out and you yeah. get your guys that's another sort of idiom that you hear especially in dynasty right go and get your guys but it's yeah. still good to kind of go and have open eyes about what those those warts like you said those obstacles that they might be because when we're going to get our guys we're always looking at that 90th percentile outcome right of like oh man if this this and this all click he's gonna look like x it's like okay cool but you might overlook how difficult it is for all those things to click um so it's it's good it's good to talk about those things and that's kind of why
2: i wanted to bring about- sure and you know it's uh, it was interesting that the book that i had mentioned it really illustrated to me and reinforced like pitching is so it's so fragile it's so sensitive the smallest little tweak sometimes can change everything for a guy. There's guys on this prospect list that haven't even learned the pitch that's going to make the millions of dollars yet. You know, if, uh, if Randy Johnson doesn't run into Tom House, he might not ever get fixed, you know, stuff like that. So so you can't predict. I, I You can't predict what what's going to happen and what Myers is going to learn um, in Cleveland. But like right now, There's I don't think there's a question of like a toolbox question. I think he's got a pitch that can get major league hitters out for sure. But, you know, a lot of guys have that. And stuff can stuff can grow, I think, you know, faster and more exponential rate than it ever has right now, Uh, which is more of the reason why I kind of want to lean away from that side of things more and kind of, you know, look at the traits that may not be as easily learned.
1: Definitely. The next pitcher that is a little bit further up the list. So again, Tobias Myers, you had at number 96. We're going to move way up the list to number 64, and that's D.L. Hall of the Baltimore Orioles. Now, obviously, Hall's coming back from elbow injury and surgery to replace that, so you already have existing questions about how much that may have caused some of his inconsistencies uh, while he was pitching last year. So other than obviously remaining healthy, I'm still going to kind of put you in prediction mode for a little bit. What does a successful 2022 D.L. Hall season look like for you?
2: Yeah, um, you know, and I'm glad you asked me about Hall. A lot of a lot of folks do. <laughs> you know, if you want to talk about pitch analysis stuff, I mean, the guy's off the charts, right? That's not a problem. And and it's hard. It's hard because you only got what like 30 innings of him this year. I don't know how much of that is injury, but I mean, he has a history. I know some of his history, and I don't want to make the same mistake with the Hall types anymore. I'd rather make the mistakes with the guys that I think can execute at a very high rate, but maybe the stuff is questionable. Uh, maybe it's just a matter of time and I need to make more mistakes like that to recalibrate again. But I just, again, Hall, oh, great stuff. Where's he putting it? I don't know if he knows some of the time where it's going. And it's not like super egregious. I think he was, I don't know, what what was he, 59 or 60% strikes on the season? Not that that's a, you know super say all stat but it's it's one of the few that I kind of was paying attention to as I was doing this. Uh but again, I mean he's got he's got great stuff. A lot of guys in the major leagues have great stuff. Is he going to put it where he wants? Um you know, one thing I heard Mariners uh double A pitching coach on Jeff's show uh talk about this. Difference between a reliever and a starter. You know, one one thought that he has is a starter puts his best pitch where he wants to executes his best pitch where he wants to at a very high clip. So if that's the definition of a starter, DL Hall isn't showing that right now in my opinion. Gotcha.
1: That was actually the the episode of Jeff show that I caught as well. I have, I got, I got to catch up on. Somebody. Yeah, that's yeah. the best one I listened yeah. to. Yeah. As and, well. And so,
2: yeah, nice. Well, and like to, to maybe get back to a little bit of what we were talking about in the beginning too. Um, I think for a long time, dynasty players, we, you know, for a long time it was like pipeline and BA. Right. And you kind of base your evaluations off of off of those, and rightfully so. But, you know, that's a little bit of a different game, or a very different game than what we're playing. Major league teams need to invest in things very differently than we do. Got Guys got really good stuff as a high schooler. That's worth a pick. You know, that's worth a high pick. I don't know how worthwhile that is for us if we can trade with a bunch of other owners or there's a bunch of unowned players in the pool Um So I I understand why, you know, if a a real life list or what have you has DL Hall really high, I don't argue with that at all. But for me as a dynasty player trying to seek out starters, and I hope he proves me wrong. I I hope he tightens things up and just dominates next year. That'd be fantastic. It's just you just you just have to make your choices of where you're going to put your money down.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think um it's funny because you pretty much answered the, the other question that I had as a follow up, which was uh if you had any interest in having him on your dynasty team right now and it sounds like the answer is not not so much. You're not not going out and trading or drastic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he would just he would have just been a guy that I probably would have cashed in trade value wise at you know at this point. Um but what what do I want to see from him? I just want I wanna see more innings. I wanna see more innings and I wanna see things get tightened up. And you know, a guy like that doesn't have to be greg maddox he just i think just don't leave stuff over the plate you know don't walk guys uh
1: quick follow-up do you see him getting promoted to triple a for any significant time this year
2: uh i would probably think so um i don't know if that's at the end of the year or for how long or what have you but if you know if he if he's healthy I, i think they'd probably get him up there um especially especially maybe if he has a chance to work with adley I think that's something that they want to do.
1: Yeah, it, it did seem like last year they were trying to, and I know that was a question with a lot of Orioles fans, like why is Adley still at double A? And then people start to think, oh, well, Grayson's here. Um, right. Hall was there for a little bit. Bradish was right. there before he jumped up. So it's like, oh, well, maybe they're trying to pair them together. And you saw a little bit more talk of how Adley handles the pitching staff. And it was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. So depending on, what the Orioles do with, with Alley to start this season. And obviously he has um, this arm injury now. Uh, so we'll have to see how they play that. But yeah, I, I definitely could see them trying to pair Hall and Alley together. Cause I think he, Hall is kind of the last of that imminent rotation that they're trying to build in Baltimore to, to kind of need some time. Cause Grayson is is pretty yeah. much on track. Uh, Bradish is on track. Brinovich is on the track, so I think calls the last one.
2: Yeah, I think that's that sort of experience working together is way more valuable than Adley getting some more abs at AAA, especially when I don't know. I don't know pitching between double A AA and AAA. I don't know how much different that is these days either, or at least last year.
1: So the third pitcher, this guy you mentioned in your write up that you had your finger over the healing button, and he actually just got mentioned in yeah uh the 2022 breakout prospects list from baseball america that just dropped today i believe today or yesterday. oh really yeah he was just in there and so i was like oh i gotta add him when i'm doing the rundown i was yeah. like I gotta add him it's perfect timing uh and, and he shows up as number 47 on your list that's alec marsh uh the kansas city royals uh-huh. so first question is with him being on the list are we just are we full go pressing the healing button now
2: <laughs> uh, uh not not yet not yet but So I I wrote about him early in the season, too. And really, I kind of thought, all right, some things are going to happen here with him Uh, from 2019 to this last season. I mean, I I think out of anyone that I wrote, I don't don't, forgive me. I, I don't know if he went from rookie or what it was, but he made a huge jump. Right. Just just to start the season. And you could you could see why. I mean, the arsenal was was very different. I've I've followed Marsh a little bit, and I totally have a bias for guys from Wisconsin. Um, (laughs) But I could see. I mean, the stuff got. I mean, across the board, I think every pitch was was drastically better from what I remember. And he was just putting things together and sequencing some things and getting through lineups, you know, different ways, getting guys out different ways. Who still, you know, I wouldn't call him like this huge execution machine but but i was ready i was i was kind of buckled in to watch a season where i think you know could have could have very much blown up for him on on list same thing with jonathan boland too but unfortunately they both kind of got hurt and didn't quite happen so i just i want to see more innings i want to see more of him at the upper levels and and see how consistent he can be with all this newfound stuff you know the amount of starts that he gave us wasn't really enough in my opinion, to get an idea of that. so
1: You mentioned Bolin, and I want to kind of go through this. So obviously Kansas City had, over the past few years, had some deep investment in pitching development. So you have, I'm going to run down the names of this kind of who mm. I could think of off the top of my head. You got Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coar, Jonathan Bolin, uh, Asa Lacy, Ben Kaderna. Uh, I'll throw Carlos Hernandez sort of in the mix. I know he was more of a kind of more out of yeah. nowhere guy last year, but he gave him some solid innings. So that's a lot of pitchers. I, I know mm-hmm. they're obviously in different states of development. Some are already in the majors for
2: Zerpa too.
1: Ah, Zer- I'm glad you mentioned uh, Anjo, uh Zerpa. I'm a fan. Yeah, not me many too. people know about him, but I'm a fan of him. Me too. So where do you see Marsh sliding in? That's that's a lot of pitchers. They're all in different states of development. Some guys are injured. Some guys aren't. Where is he? Where does he kind of fit in?
2: You know, I think, I think a lot of those guys, it hasn't really come along how they've wanted to. I mean, maybe Hernandez had major league su- success last year. I mean, lack of a better way of saying, it, I think the door is just wide open. He pitches well. He produces. He's going to get a spot. I don't think anyone's anyone's like really proven to to take the reins with with any of that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't think there's anybody in the way blocking him if he's pitching well, you know.
1: What What do you see as his upside? So uh, again, putting on kind of the the prediction hat, looking at Chris yeah. Ball a little bit. But do you see him in the middle rotation guy? Do you think he could be a staff ace? Where do you see that ceiling for him?
2: Yeah, and uh, you know I don't. It's a it's a great question. It is the question, right? It's what we're trying to get after. How good can a guy be? I don't know if I have great answers for that. Um, Partly because, like what I, we talked about before, like, you know, what if he learns a new pitch at the major league level or something, whatever, right? Um, a little while back, last year, I looked at some historical stuff, NFBC, uh AP, uh, ADP data, and MLB draft stuff, and if you kind of like look back and historically, you look at like the top ten fantasy pitchers or whatever. I don't know, half, maybe even more of them at some point we're kind of pegged as just like a oh, back end rotation guy, uh, middle of the rotation guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't I don't like to really cap guys. I'm probably more likely to put a floor, if you will, on a guy. Uh, I don't know. Sky's the limit. I, he can throw he can throw great pitches. Now, is he a guy that I think has the great execution? I think he might be limited on how many steps forward he can take with that. So with that being said, just right now, I, what I put him 40-something on the list, that's where I put my money. You know, a guy that I think there's strikeout upside, I'm not going to go and invest too much in him, but definitely watching. So I don't know. Maybe that's a horrible answer to your question, but the best <laughs> I could do, right? No, I mean, DeGrom was, DeGrom was an outfielder. He turned in like the best pitcher of our generation, right? I mean, it's hard to say. But I don't think he's a guy who's you know gonna not be able to strike guys out or just inning eater, if you will, or whatever. Like I think there's potential to put up good numbers.
1: So now we're inside the top fifty. Uh, the next pitcher is now a Cincinnati Red, uh, formerly a Seattle Mariner, and that's Brandon Williamson coming in at number twenty-two. Uh, so obviously we know he was part of the Eugenio Suarez yeah. Jesse Winker trade slash steal yeah. <laughs> for Seattle. <laughs> But but before we even get into like breaking down Williamson, let me ask you this. Do you see the trade helping or hurting his value in the Dynasty League, uh, Williamson, that is?
2: I mean, I think it's, if nothing else, it's just from a humanity standpoint, like awesome, I think, because he's going to be playing, he'll be with Lodolo, who is his college teammate, and, and I, th- I think they're friends. So th- I think that's awesome. More so, I mean, I th- I don't have any problem with the Reds and the resources that they provide for pitchers. I think that's all fine and on the level um so that regard i don't i don't see any problems um perhaps it might even be better in the sense that you have an organization now that definitely doesn't seem to be trying to win so perhaps an easier opportunity to get some big league innings so yeah i I think it's a positive i probably like them more now in a dynasty sense
1: so the the one thing that i notice is um talking about his pitch mix, specifically based on what you saw, I don't remember exactly how many starts or how many games you are able to see from him, but based on what you saw, how yeah. effective is that mix? I know he kind of has um, sort of like four to five pitches. How effective is that based on what you saw? And then I kind of have a follow-up to, to your answer.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Williamson was a really interesting guy to watch on tape. You know, a lot for me is you've got to try to figure out what's what's the guy throwing, and you don't have really great angles to figure it out all the time. Um, you try to watch catcher signs and figure that out. More so, I'll just pause the screen, zoom in on the guy's hand, and check out what grip it is, right? See what the result of the pitch. Williamson, you can't do that. And I noticed this, and, I, and, and Ponce verified this for me with his pitching coach, but he does something interesting where when he's mid-windup, Takes the ball out of his glove and it's always in a changeup grip, then. And then he puts his hand back in the glove and that's when he sets his grip, which to me, as a guy I just pitched in high school, I would never in a million years fathom doing that. That just seems so unbelievably risky to me, but he does it because he doesn't want to tip pitches. So cool. So for me, it, I had a really hard time trying to figure out what some of his pitches were because I never got to see, like, you know, on the MILB.TV. It's not the greatest resolution all the time. You could pause it and try to see what it was out of his hand, but it's just a blurry mess sometimes. But I know he's got a couple of breaking balls. I know he's got a fastball. I know he's got a changeup. I think he cuts and I think he maybe um, throws a sink or two. Uh, don't quote me on all of that. But the thing with him, he was kind of, in a sense, exactly what I was kind of looking for doing all this stuff. I saw a guy who, has the season moved along, the stuff was improving the fastballs was missing more bats. the breaking balls looked sharper, and he was also executing at a higher rate. so both ends of the of the sort of the spectrum, if you will, were just kind of coming together and I was getting i mean I think I ranked him highest i'd I would have rather him than any of the other four big mariners, and I know his fastball has gotten a lot of really good metrics uh yeah i'm I'm excited to watch him this year. Most definitely.
1: So the follow-up that I had, and, and again, you kind of did a really good job of sort of answering the question before I could ask it. I was. am oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's great because um, what I was interested in is would he be better served if he kind of pared down his number of offerings to just being kind of a foreseen yeah. slide or change type of guy. And the reason why I ask is I know, and I'm pretty sure, it's, I'm pretty sure, it's, you know, Um, that brought up the fact that even having an average pitch, then having more pitches kind of can be helpful, right? Because you're just giving yourself kind of more margin for error. However, you can also see on the flip side, especially with young pitchers, when you're kind of being a jack of all trades, you're being a master of none. So none of them kind of get the fine tuning that they need because you're always trying to kind of mix and match. It's, it's, It's a difficult line to walk. So Again, I sure. know it's kind of hard to see his grips and kind of know exactly what all he's mm-hmm. throwing at all times. But again, just based on what you saw, would he be better served of just going down to like three and just making them the yeah. three strongest pitches or staying where he is?
2: I mean, I think that's, I think that's a great question. And I bet you that's probably a question that he and his pitching coach talk about, but here, here's something, here's something that I've, I've had debates and uh, discord with, but I've, I've. I've heard some things that have reinforced some of my beliefs lately. You know, you talk about pitching versus results, pitching to development, right? You got a guy who can go up there in the minor leagues with one or two big pitches, just wipe everybody out. Great. But like Williamson's coach talked about on Jeff's show, coaching is different there. You're trying to prepare guys for the major leagues. The results of that night may not be the most imperative thing. So I, I like seeing guys who are throwing lots of pitches in the minor leagues. You're probably gonna get to the bigs and scrap some you You won't need them. You don't need that many good pitches if you're putting them where you need to. So I don't know I, I don't know what their plan is, but like I said, I like to see him at least trying to expand the arsenal, and the arsenals are gonna you know evolve and change. Um, but I, I would think that that question probably gets answered when he gets to the major leagues.
1: Understood. So the last pitcher uh, that we have on the list, this guy's in your top 10. I just want to kind of go through. I want to be very clear. Yeah. I just want to go through who you've ranked this pitcher higher than. Okay. So he's in your top 10. You got him ranked higher than Max Meyer. You got him higher than Nicola Dolo, who we mentioned. He's one spot higher than Grayson Rodriguez. He's at number two on the list and that's Reed Detmers of the Los Angeles Angels. So what did you see from Detmers mm-hmm. that had you rank him this
2: high? Uh, if anyone wants to rank those other guys higher, I don't really have like a huge argument against it. But essentially, if, if you're following my rules, and if you're looking for what I'm trying to look for now, uh, Detmers is pretty much the prime example, I think. He's a guy who, I, you know, I watched in Louisville, not, not a ton, but some. And it, you know, it's always been a question of his stuff. Is this fastball hard enough? Is this curveball good enough? But he's also a guy who always shows up every year with something new, with some added better stuff. He's a guy who, who can come up with a new pitch this year or a different sort of fastball this year and still put it where he wants to. I thought he, I thought he'd actually fare much better when he got to the bigs. It wasn't the greatest is, I don't feel like that's the pitcher from an execution standpoint that that I know and that I've watched before. That might just be part of the maturation process and what have you. But he's a guy that I very much trust on the one end of the spectrum. He he feels like a guy to me. He's got the stones to do new things too. You know, Mike Mussina talked about how he used to be on the mound trying to think up pitches to throw. I feel like Detmers might be that sort of guy. And I know I don't have any great way to quantify that or prove it to you only through just what I've watched and seen. Uh, I think he's a guy who who's very much set up to have a sustainable, long career. I think he has that it that we don't know how to teach all that well, if you will.
1: Yeah. So the reason why I liked you having that up there and I'll be honest, um, I've said this previously, I'll say it again. If you find me on uh, Discord, if you find me on uh, Picture List Plus Discord, I'll tell you that right now, pitchers I'm still learning a ton about, whether it be prospect or at the major league level or just everything about it, right? Nice. So uh, I'm kind of more so going off of, uh, I guess, the back of the box that you were talking about, like, oh, well, Demers was supposed to be good, and then he came to the majors and he wasn't good. So, okay, I'm kind of going to the next. Yeah. So when Wait I saw him rank this high on your list, I said, OK, well, I know that Nate made a point of saying he's looking in places and looking at things differently than maybe some of the consensus is. So I wanted to bring Detmers up because I want to know, is this a guy like you're saying where he just had to take his lumps sure. that first year and this next year? We are going to see something a little bit more, a little bit different. But I also want to bring up and I, I alluded to this earlier. Uh, one of your other rules, rule number eight the players' organization matters. So is there any concern on your part about him being with the Angels versus some of those other teams that we mentioned? Because the Angels do not have a great track record when it comes to prospect development, especially not pitchers. We just saw them draft like 25 pitchers all in the draft, and I haven't heard much about any of them doing not necessarily bad, but not really doing much of anything. So that's kind of the question that I had about Detmers and how you feel about him is does that hold him back? Do you disregard it? Where where do you stand on that?
2: Yeah. No, I mean that's a completely fair question. And yes, of course. But also too, look at Detmers, he was it didn't even take him a whole full pro season to get to the bigs. So it might be a little bit of a different circumstance where, you know, he's not going through the minors working on things so much, or or they're just throwing him in the mix and you're gonna figure it out here. Um you know, I think they were wise to do it with a guy like him. I th- you know, like I said before, I think he sort of has that acumen to do that, to figure out what works. You know, I think he can reinvent himself in, in some ways. Uh, and and every pitching prospect, I don't care who you are, even you know, Shane Bass, who I love. I don't expect them to be good when they first hit the bigs. I just I'm not really I don't do like rookies and redraft, if you will. And and that also makes it tricky. You know, in dynasty leagues, you have to have the roster space to have them and, and sustain that, if you will, maybe take that one. But it's hard. Pitching is a craft, you know, and you're going to – you you probably have to learn a lot from major league pitchers when you get there to figure out how you can stick around. you got to place your bets where you're going to put them, and I'll put a bet on Detmers.
1: Sounds good. So before we head out, the last question I have for you – Nate, and I appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Were there any pictures, and I know you said you looked at about 200, you covered a a little bit over 100. Was there anybody that you didn't get to? (laughs) Was there anybody that you didn't get a chance to really see or go in depth on that you wish that you did?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I had some readers, you know, hit me up on Twitter or whatever it was. You know, hey, did you look at this guy? What have you? And I did a little bit of a follow-up article uh, where, uh, no, I didn't watch them. And I went back and did, and some guys that, um, that, that impressed me that probably would have, you know, been on the list somewhere. Uh, one was Wilcomen Gonzalez uh, with the Red Sox. You know, just kind of a, a young guy who, I don't know how many starts he got in low A. It wasn't very many. I think I watched the two or three that there was. Um, but you could see why you'd be excited. You got a 19-year-old kid or whatever it was with definitely his stuff. And he wasn't like some erratic all over the place guy. So I'm excited to watch him. Um, what's it? Uh, uh, Ruvo Rangel? Is that right? Of the Braves? I don't know if I watched him at all this year, yet I was watching a lot of his teammates. And he just kind of totally slipped by me. Uh, but I watched his uh, championship series start in the minors, and I thought he was fantastic. Good stuff, and locating very well, just in control of every at-bat. I think he went like five no hit or something that outing. Um, so yeah, those two guys kind of stick out of people that, you know, told me to go watch them.
1: So what's next for you? I said, that was one last question, but I guess I lied. Uh, what the, the last question, That's okay. the last question I had, I really will have is, uh, what's next for you with this series? Are you going to, are you planning on doing something mid season or are you doing something end of year? Yeah. What's kind of the, the next step?
2: Yeah, no. So, uh, you know, obviously I did this, you know, big off season project and put this together and, cut up all the videos and made the rank. But to me, this was just kind of the off-season thing. To me, the real meat of it is going to be in-season um, when I try to really watch as many uh, minor league pitching starts outings as I possibly can, hoping to do like two or three a day and really just kind of report, just kind of watch and, and give readers you know, some perspective on what I'm seeing. Kind of have some different tiers of guys that I'll probably try to watch, you know, a few of every week or what have you, and just kind of get into that development stuff that we don't, that is harder to pay attention to and more laborious. I mean, I'm no smart guy. I'm not like super connected into baseball. I think the one thing that I can offer is time. I have time to watch some of these guys and, and, you know, maybe give some 411 to people who can't. Don't have that time.
1: Well, that's that's perfect. That's perfect, and and that's exactly what we have you here for, uh, Nate. We got to come up with a nickname for you, Nate. I was trying to think of one <laughs> to intro- to introduce you for this episode, but I, I got to keep thinking about that's it. That's right. You'll we'll come up with a good nickname. Yeah,
2: you're you're good at you're good at nicknames, so you'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we're definitely going to have you back uh, during the season. Uh, we'll figure out scheduling and everything else to to make it sure. happen. But we definitely want to have you back on a, a couple of times. Definitely more than once to kind of go through what we're seeing from the pitching standpoint and talk about major league baseball, mm-hmm. minor league baseball and prospecting um, anything to promote, any other yeah. articles you have coming out anytime soon.
2: Um, yeah. So just recently had my, my third child, so I haven't been writing a bunch, but I did um, put out a little minor league preview article where I uh, just kind of went through every league where, you know, I was making some, Guesses at things, but where you might be able to catch certain players to start the year, and then screenshots of all the camera angles for all the minor league broadcasts, and um, when you can catch the harder teams to find on TV, uh, links to schedules, just maybe a nice little supplement to to watch some minor league baseball if you're inclined to.
1: Yeah, no, I know you and I were talking about that particular article. I think it is super helpful if you're looking to uh, make the investment in uh, MILB. TV uh, this year it's definitely yeah. an article that you want to read. I know we were talking about camera angles and um, HD and some mm. of the other stuff that is supposed to be coming. Is it going to happen? How is it going to look? Yeah. Um, but overall, I, yeah. I think um, it's definitely good to read that article so you kind of know what to expect. Uh, bear, you know, base the baseline of what to expect. If there yeah. are any improvements, then obviously that's even better. But you at least have a good idea right. of, wh- of what right. to look for. Um, I'll say just for myself, as far as articles, we still are in the midst of the Pitcherless Prospect Tournament. We're right in the midst of the round of 32. I actually need to take a look and shut down the polls for day number two, as soon as I'm done with this podcast. And then we're going to be jumping right into the Sweet 16. Uh, We had a crazy upset, Nick Prado, um, over George Valera. So that was a number 15 seed over a number two. Uh, that 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 happened uh at right at the end of uh opening round so some some great stuff guys keep continuing to vote uh if you want to have a conversation about uh anything going on with that tournament please hit lamar me up. yeah
2: twi- the royals twitter presence is massive royal fans is that what, is in that my experience that any okay. polls okay Royals always yeah. win. That's good, that's good to know. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. because because we yeah. we didn't
1: do it as a Twitter poll because we did it as a poll in the articles. I didn't know if the uh, if the Twitter presences of certain teams and and players would would uh, impact results yeah, or not. But that's good to know.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably the Royals can't possibly have that many fans. It's probably a few with some bots or something. That's coming from a White Sox fan yeah. there. <laughs> Hey, Lamar, can I ask you one rather sure. question? Volpe or York?
1: Ooh. Ooh, and you're asking the Orioles fan, so my answer really is neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow your league. I'm going to zig where others are zagging. I'm going to say York. Yeah. I'm going to say York. I'm going to say York for the floor. I want to see it again from Volpe at a higher level yes. this season. But York's four, I just feel like yeah. he can just he can just sort of hit. You can just drop him in, and he can be a perfectly fine second baseman Hitter,
2: Hitter's gonna years. hit.
1: He may not be a superstar, but yeah, he's just gonna yeah. hit. Uh, right. So yeah, uh, whatever. Yan- Yankees fan will be mad at me. Whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, uh, again, we're gonna have a link in the show notes to both uh, Nate's MILB.TV TV preview article, so you can read that, and uh, obviously going to have a link to his. Um, his intro page to his series about his prospect pitcher rankings. So you can read all about that. As always, I want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our picture list pods on the picture list network podcast page. You have on the list uh, with Austin and miles. You have hacks and Jacks hosted by Joe Galina and Scott Chu. And now that we're ha- no, we're having a full season opening day is three weeks away. You need to be listening to on the wire with host Adam Howe and kevin hasting every sunday for insights into how to win your bids and improve your rosters throughout the season they're all available on the podcast section of pitcher list for you to find listen and subscribe you can find me on twitter at inside fastball capital i capital f where can they find you on twitter
2: at pitching specs
1: perfect with that being said mate thanks again for taking time to talk you guys enjoy the rest of your day